Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hello, and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, February 29th. That's right. Happy Leap Day to those who celebrate. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers and the award-winning Scott White. Today on the show, it's our first live mock draft. 12-team Roto, the standard 5x5 categories, and I will preview the draft in just a second. But first, big congrats to Scotty, who won the FSWA Article of the Year Award for his article on the state of trading in fantasy baseball, or the lack thereof. Let's go! Yes. Yes, it is true. I won. Best article. Best baseball article about how trading sucks and nobody wants to do it anymore. (laughs) Uh, no, it was a fun article to write and uh, included a lot of insights from from people on social media with their own experiences with trading. And I worked in a lot of my own experiences with trading over the years and, and talked about the different reasons why I think it's just not as much fun to do anymore. And uh, yeah, it's it went over well. It went over well. So it's good. To win this award, I, I I pointed out when they called me up and, and had me on the radio show where they were announcing the awards, I pointed out, you know, I, I, I've i been a finalist for an FSWA award, you know, occasionally over the years. But this is the first time I'd actually won since 2009 when I was Baseball Writer of the Year, which I, I'm pretty sure would set a record for biggest gap between awards. I'm not 
I'm not positive of that, but I would like to think so. I would like to have that record associated with me. The award-winning, the record-setting Scott White. 2009. In my own mind, anyway. You are the uh, Willie Mays of the FSWA Awards. I believe that's the longest gap between MVP awards. So there you go. All right. Great year. I've always said Scott White is the Willie Mays of fantasy baseball. (laughs) We all do, (laughs) duh. Uh, Great year, that 2009, by the way. Yankees won the World Series. I graduated high school, so there you go. Let's quickly uh, explain the draft here before we get started. Again, standard 5x5 roto. The categories, batting average, run scored, home runs, RBI, and steals. On the pitching side, we have ERA, whip, wins, strikeouts, and saves. The lineup spots, roto style, goes a little bit deeper into the player pool. Two catchers. One of each infield position, a corner, a middle, five outfielders, a utility spot, and then nine pitcher spots, which you can divvy up however you'd like. I am picking fourth. Scott is picking fifth overall, so that should be fun. Some <laughs> snipes back and forth. Hopefully, yeah. make some good content out of it. Uh, and Chris will be picking 11th. So uh, we're going to go long on this live stream, so buckle in. This will be a two-part podcast as well for those who are listening. And I'm going to pull up the draft board, and Scott... I think we're ready to go. You are the commission. Okay. All right. Let's, Let's get, get it started. started. And here we go. Boom. Up and running. First overall pick is. It's got to be Acuna. Uh, well, yeah, but it's Darren Doc Eisenhower. So we'll see who uh, the doc takes. What if it wasn't Acuna? Huh? <laughs> that would give us something to talk about. I mean, but it is Acuna, as it should be. As it should be. Uh, in every league. There was one NFBC league where Acuna fell to third. No. Really? And I have yet to see a good explanation for it. Because Noel DeMarte was first. Noel DeMarte was the first pick. Oh, gosh. I I think Bobby Witt went second, and I think that was just because the person didn't realize that Acuna went third. Right. He's got to feel so bad over that. Okay, so in our draft, it's Julio Rodriguez second and Bobby Witt third, which is the consensus for for Roto. I I'm, I prefer Bobby Witt second. I prefer Bobby Witt second because you might be getting a 10 steal advantage there, mm-hmm. which is the main attraction to taking these players at the top of round one is all the, the, the big number, number of steals. They're going to give you the big steals advantage. Uh, outfield, getting one of in a five outfielder league, it's especially difficult to fill. And I, as a general rule, I, I do... Uh, put a high priority on getting one of those first nine outfielders, those first round caliber outfielders. But I think shortstop in this format is pretty shallow too. I, I run out of options I like there more uh, before the draft is even halfway over. So I, I think I can justify taking Bobby Witt over Julio Rodriguez if I don't get that first pick to get Acuna. Speaking of justification, I guess I have to justify my pick because I had fourth overall. And as soon as I saw the draft order come out, Earlier on Wednesday, I texted Scott and I said, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. You gave me fourth overall pick to make sure that I would not take Corbin Carroll, that I put my money where my mouth is, and that's exactly what I did. The top three picks, as we mentioned, Acuna, Julio, Bobby Witt. I go ahead and take Mookie Betts. I've said, dating back to last year, all offseason, not that I'm completely out on Corbin Carroll. I'm a little bit lower in the first round because of the past injury with the shoulder Maybe that's overblown. I want to be as safe as possible in the first round. And so I took Mookie Betts. I do like mm-hmm. that flexibility that he awards me. Uh, it was between him and Freddie Freeman. But, you know, being able to choose second base or outfield throughout the draft, I, I like that flexibility. So, 
You've fallen right into my trap here, Frank, because I <laughs> I set up the draft order you fourth so that you'd be forced to pick a pass on Corbin Carroll there and me fifth so that I would get Corbin Carroll there. And that's what I'm doing. Cheater. I haven't had a chance for a Corbin Carroll build yet. Uh but I think he I, I think it's a I think it's a clear top four in Roto. I think Ronald Acuna, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, Corbin Carroll, what they do as hitters along with the massive stolen base output they're going to give you. And we talk a lot about Acuna, the power speed, Bobby Witt, the power speed, the the, the historic combination that they provided. Same one for Carroll last year. Guys who hit 25 homers and stole 50 bases in the season, he was the only, only the second guy to do that since 1990 when a very young Barry Bonds did it. So... Um, that top four is just not a caliber of player we're used to seeing in Roto. And so even with whatever shoulder concerns exist for Carroll, which I think are pretty minimal, I'm happy to take him fourth, in this case fifth, because you passed on him mm-hmm. at number four. I'll remind you of the old adage, Scott. You can't win your fantasy baseball draft in the first round, but you can lose it. So I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to take Mookie Betts, which is what I did. Scott took Corbin Carroll. Next three picks after that, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, and Freddie Freeman. And Chris, this kind of plays into what you were talking about the other day where you said, if I don't have the first pick, I wouldn't mind having the eighth pick, or I guess mm-hmm. in this case, even the ninth pick, because Freeman and Kyle Tucker go eight and nine. I think you got to feel pretty damn good about getting either I of mean, those guys. Even, I, I know Aaron Judge has the, the concerns about his health, but I think he's absolutely that caliber of player. And he just went 10th. Yeah, um, which is... Ask me about my first pick after I make my next pick. Okay. Can I can I make that request? Because I'm pretty sure RJ's watching, and I wanna I wanna see how his two picks go before okay. I make my next pick. He's the one guy picking after you, but but we yes. do have to say you pick Spencer Strider tenth, yes. so you're going with the pitcher and, and in round one. He's my number ten. He's my number ten player. So that it, it's it's been a, a chalky draft for me so far. Mm-hmm. 11th is where you picked him. Sorry, not 10th. Oh, sorry, 11th, yeah. Yeah, so after Freddie Freeman went 8th, Kyle Tucker 9, Aaron Judge went 10, Chris took Spencer Strider 11. I was wondering if you were going to make that move because, frankly, this is probably the lowest you'll see him fall in any draft this year. Mm-hmm. So seems like a pretty fair spot to get Spencer Strider. And then at the turn, RJ White takes Trey Turner and Jose Ramirez. So, Chris, you are back up, and I will ask you about your first-round pick. And this is why I wanted to wait, because I'm going to try something, and we're going to see how this goes. Don't you dare, Chris. I'm going to try do things. Oh, pocket, I double tap. Pocket oh. aces. I haven't done pocket aces in years. Uh, I think Corbin or uh, Garrett Cole and Spencer Strider are the clear top two pitchers. Pretty much everyone agrees with me. I think Corbin Burns is like a half a tier behind them after the move to uh, Baltimore, so... There was no way he was going to get back to me. And by the time it gets back to the end of the third round, which is the next place time I'd be picking 35th overall, you tend to see a pretty big teardrop at starting pitcher, but there are still some pretty good hitters left. So I want to see how this works because I've talked a lot about three. Yeah, I want I've talked a lot about how I want two aces to anchor my staff and then I'm going to not worry about pitching for a long time. Well, we'll see how it goes. This is the most extreme version of that. I feel like it's the opposite, where the end of round three, that's where the MVP caliber bats run out. 
And hopefully like a Kevin Gaussman or Luis Castillo is still there for me to take. But if mm-hmm. not, I'll just take the best of what's there. Uh, but you you're, you think it's the opposite. You think. Yeah, I think like the drop off from Gosman, Wheeler, Castillo to like Gallon, Kirby, Lopez, I think is is significant enough that I I want to see what it looks like okay. when I do this. I'm I'm not. I'm not saying this is the ideal way to start your draft from the number 11 spot, but I want to try it. After Chris took Garrett Cole 14th, we saw Matt Olson get paired up with Aaron Judge. I mean, there's an outside chance you get 100 home runs from your top two players there uh, between those two picks. And then we see Jordan Alvarez and Shohei Otani go 16th and 17th. So... Uh, Kayla Waltz did uh, the the Astros double tap with Jordan and Kyle Tucker in the first round. Raymond Atherton did Shohei Otani and Freddie Freeman. My gosh, that is so fun. Oh, and that's about the latest you'll see Shohei Otani go as well. So 17th yep. overall. Uh, and then Bryce Harper goes 18. That was a team that started with Juan Soto. So just kind of recapping some first and second round picks for people to get an idea of what the player pairings are. Uh, and then Austin Riley, 19th. And Scott, you're back up. Corbin Carroll was your first round pick. And this is pick 20 overall. So this is another reason I wanted to pick fifth overall is because the 20th overall pick I thought could be stressful. And it is stressful. Uh, Jordan Alvarez didn't last that long. Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper. If any of them lasted that long, that would have been an ideal scenario. But they didn't. They're all gone. I could think about taking Corbin Burns here. He's still out there, right? Correct. But but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and fill shortstop, which I think is the second most stressful hitter position Why? to fill early. Why you got to do that? Um, I'm going to take Francisco Lindor. I, it's a distant second. It's way behind outfield. But I have seen Lindor slide to early in round three in 12-team leagues before. And so to take him in, in the middle of round two feels a bit like a resignation. But I don't think he's going to make it to my next pick. And he is my top player remaining on the board. I could go if I, if I wanted to stick to hitters, I could go Rafael Devers. I could go Pete Alonso. Those positions are uh, a lot deeper in my mind. So I'd rather have Lindor. He gives me steals in addition to power. And um, I mean, we all talked about how he's our favorite shortstop to draft. It's a little on the early side for him, but... Well, I, I say that, but he is my top ranked player. Yeah, he went 32nd in my Tout Wars draft the other day, which is an OBP league, which I guess, I don't know. He's he's probably about as valuable in OBP as a batting average. Um, he's not great in either. That's um, right, yeah. So, yeah, it's probably a little earlier than he was likely to go, but I can't imagine he would have made it back to you. Right, a long shot for sure. No, because I would have taken him yes. with the very next pick. So yeah. that, Okay, there you go. Okay. That, uh, obviously, I hate the pick, Scott, and so <laughs> thanks for doing that. Um, but yeah, I wanted a little bit more speed to pair with Mookie Betts in the first round. You took Lindor, so I went ahead and took Rafael Devers. I will explain why I did that after my third round pick. Just going to wait and see who uh, makes it back to me. After I took Rafael Devers, Corbin Burns went 22nd, and Corey Seager, 23rd overall, still Waiting to learn more news on the sports hernia surgery opening day. That's, op- is- that's an optimistic pick for Corey yeah. Seager. Uh, a lot of times you see him slide to late in round three, even early in round four, and he's going 23rd overall here. 
I, I don't necessarily think it's wrong, but it is, it is, uh, it is on the more optimistic side. It, it, it is not as far as we normally see him slide with the, with the hernia surgery and his timetable still being a question. There has been some progress though. Like he's been cleared for physical activity at least. So he's, he's moving around at <laughs> least. I, I got him 33rd overall in tout war. So that was one where Lindor went off the board. I took Seager um, who does benefit. I mean, he's another one who's just elite in both average and on base percentage, but he's you know very, very good in both. Mm -hmm. So over the past two weeks over at the NFBC, I wanted to uh, quickly see where Corey Seager is going. The ADP is is a league that has no IL spots. Correct. Uh, 28.7. So a little bit past where he went in this draft after Corey Seager, Marcus Semien and Pete Alonzo at the turn. So start your team with Acuna and then you come back and you get Pete Alonzo and Marcus Semien. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Cover all bases, right? So it's some power, it, a little bit of speed. I think the trendy way to approach the Acuna pick is what Scott did in TGFBI, and I think a lot of people are doing in TGFBI, where you go Acuna and then double tap pitchers. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's become kind of the trendier approach, but maybe well, more so in a 15-team league where Alonzo and, and Simeon are off the board already by the time you pick. Yeah, I, I do want to get into if, what if you have the first pick and take Acuna strategy a little bit because I, I was forced into that in TGFBI, I think, because everybody focused so much on hitters that at picks mm-hmm. 30 and 31, it was clearly Wheeler and Gosman were the best two players available in that draft. Uh, normally, I wouldn't do that. But he took Acuna in, in this draft, Doc... Doc uh, Eisenhower took two hitters in addition to Acuna, knowing it's going to be another 24 picks until he picks again. And Mm -hmm. what is the starting pitcher going? What is the starting pitcher pool going to look like at that point? Uh, Maybe, maybe like a Yoshinobu Yamamoto or a Pablo Lopez, Tarek Skubal. Maybe somebody like that'll be there. No way. No You're way. You're shaking your head, Frank. You don't even think they'll be no, there? No, no, no. I'm just saying Yamamoto after his debut today. I mean, yeah. there's no way he makes that it. That was okay. like, yeah. well, it was but, actually, but like, it was actually a little disappointing how good he was. I know. Because it, he only threw 19 pitches in his two innings and I wanted to watch more of him. But yeah, but my point is knowing the long wait and knowing that Acuna already gives you such a head start in all the hitting categories. Do you feel like you should really take at least one pitcher. I, I don't know that I would take two most in most cases, but one pitcher with the the second and third choice at the turn there, the two three turn. I think this is a conversation. I guess for later on, like when we have hindsight, right? It's obviously easier to say that. I mean, if I was on the clock, I think what Doc did there was was totally fine. I yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I just it'll be determined I, by yes. whether I'm like given given. Given the long wait, especially, um, and and the fact that Acuna, yeah, again, Acuna gives you such a head start in all the hitting categories. You, the idea is to balance all the categories, pitching included, and so having a true ace, it, it might set you up in the most optimal scenario to splurge for that. Yeah, that's something that we'll be watching to see what what the pitching staff winds up looking like there. After Pete Alonso, Zach Wheeler went twenty sixth overall. Ellie De La Cruz at twenty seven, and I took Ozzy Albi. So I wanted to wait to my third round pick. Because 
I was debating Devers versus Ozzy Albies in the second round, and then I got Ozzy Albies in the third round. So uh, there you go. Totally fine with the way that that worked out. Obviously, he doesn't give you a ton of speed, but 10 to 15 steals kind of helps you out across the board. I wish I had a little bit more speed, but the start here, I've got Ozzy Albies, uh, Rafael Devers, and Mookie Betts. So obviously, covering a bunch of the offensive categories, we'll see how the pitching staff turns out. And then Scott, with the next pick, you took Jose Altuve. So your team through three rounds, you have Corbin Carroll, Francisco Lindor, and uh, Altuve. Yeah, I tend to start hitter, hitter, hitter. And I I feel like I got I I got three I got studs at three positions where the stud drop off comes pretty early in my mind. I'm getting steals from all of them. I have a good batting average foundation, especially with Altuve there making up for whatever however Lindor is short in batting average. So yeah, I I feel like this is a strong start. I'm happy with it. All right, and then after you took Jose Altuve, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went off the board, Kevin Gosman, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who uh, we'll talk about what he did in, in just a second, uh, and then Luis Castillo. So Yamamoto going ahead of Castillo, the more starts we see from this guy, again, it's a bit of an overreaction. It's his first start, I get it. But we did want to see how he looks, obviously, coming over from Japan. 16 of 19 of his pitches for strikes, two Shutout innings, three strikeouts, zero walks. And if you guys saw the highlights, some of these strikeouts, they didn't stand a chance. I Pitching is ahead of hitters at this point, but like he struck out some legit major leaguers. Marcus Semien, Nate Lowe, and Leody Tavares. They were some pretty bad swings, so he, he looked awesome. Yeah. Uh, that splitter, Yamamoto splitter, was hyped as be- immediately it's going to be the best splitter in baseball it was compared to like Kevin Gosman's it was compared to show uh not show Yatani's uh Kodai Senga's uh, and it it delivered in the first two innings now I do wonder because it it clearly wasn't anywhere close to the strike zone and I do wonder if they'll just learn not to swing at it I, I don't know if he's if he's able to disguise it as a fastball well enough then I guess that won't be an issue, but that would be the one issue that maybe might make it less effective than it initially appears. But I'm totally on board with Yoshinobu Yamamoto as a top 10 starter and an ace in fantasy. I don't think there's as much downside risk as some people are presenting. All right. Well, let's finish out round three and let everyone know what happened here. After Luis Castillo, Michael Harris, 34th. Chris took Gunnar Henderson and then Luis Robert. Let's take our first break. When we return, we'll get into round four. We'll ask Chris about his picks. We'll do that right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 
Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back in. We are into the fourth round of our live 12-team Roto Mock Draft, and RJ White kicked it off with Zach Gallen, and then Chris took Bo Bichette, Pablo Lopez, and Tyler Glass now. Chris, so you started your team two starters. You got Strider mm -hmm. and Garrett Cole, and then you came back around with Gunnar Henderson and Bo Bichette. What do you think so far? I think Scott was right when it came back to me. I think the... I had my top three players were all hitters, so it, it's not like I I hated the the hitters or liked the pitchers more. But yeah, I think I feel like I could have gotten by easier with Pablo Lopez and Tarek Skubal as my top two pitchers. I think those were the top two pitchers left for me the last time I picked. Or I mean, you, you could know, have split pa the difference. Pablo take, Lopez, yeah, take either Strider or Cole yes. and pair them with either Skubal or who was the other one. Uh, it would have been Glass Zach now? Allen or Pablo Lopez, probably. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, I, I like Gunnar Henderson. I like Bo Bichette, but obviously neither of them is an elite power hitter or an elite stolen base guy. So, you know, they're more good at multiple things rather than great at multiple things. So, you know, I, I guess because I would have taken Trey Turner if I hadn't taken... Um, Spencer Strider at 10. So, or if I hadn't taken Garrett Cole, I would have taken probably Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess we could walk through what that, like Spencer Strider and Shohei Otani, or... Yeah, I, I like that more. Yeah, I think I probably like that more too. Yeah, so it, look, we're trying different things out throughout a mock draft, and, and that's this is exactly why we do it, to try and talk through it and, and see maybe what we would have done differently uh, if this were a real draft. So after we saw Pablo Lopez, Tyler Glass now went 40th overall, then Manny Machado, George Kirby, and Mike Trout. And then we got to Scott, who took his first starting pitcher, Tarek Skubal, who averaged 97.5 so, okay, miles yeah. per hour on the fastball here I in his spring debut. In a dumb way, but that opens a conversation. Is Tarek Skubal throwing too hard? Now, I don't actually mean that. I think it's great that Tarek Skubal's averaging 98 miles per hour as a lefty with his fastball. That is bonkers. This is a guy who had Tommy John surgery way back in, I think, college, and then had a flexor strain surgery two years ago. He's never thrown more than, I think, 140 innings at the major league level. He's coming off an 80-inning season. I think there's some risk to the way he throws, especially given how quickly his velocity is. Yeah. I mean, with it, it's the Jacob deGrom thing all over again. You're mm -hmm. already winning Cy Youngs with the velocity you have. Why do you need to add another two miles per hour? Mm -hmm. it, it, your, your, your body can't withstand that torque, clearly. And so I, I think that's a fair concern after one spring start. You know, I'm, it's not going to change where I draft. Tarek Skubal, I, I, this is he was my top ranked pitcher yeah. even before he was throwing that hard in the spring. I'm start. not moving him up, and I'm right, not moving right. him down. 
Exactly. So yeah, I, I think this is, I think he qualifies as um, more or less an ace of fantasy. I, I said he's my pick to win AL Cy Young this year. So I'm happy that I'm able to get a pitcher that good after beginning hitter, hitter, hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 44th overall here, Tarek Skubal is who I took. But I, I think he's right there with Tyler Glass now in terms of being like mm-hmm. the ultimate risk reward. I, I think. I mean, Glassdale's you got you, you a 30 year old who's never. No, Glassdale's riskier. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But in terms of. He is. And, and Skubal is probably a better bet to get to 150 innings than Tyler Glass now. Yeah. But the the upside is this is the best pitcher in baseball on a perning basis. That's what Tarek Skubal basically was last season. I think among pitchers who threw at least 50 innings, he was fourth in expected ERA, and that's including like it's him and three elite closers who threw like 60 innings. Mm-hmm. And I think all three of them got hurt at some point during the season. Um, that is the upside. But I, I think there's a, a, a lot of red flags there as well. Mm-hmm. After Tarek Skubal went, I was on the board and I took, I was debating starting pitcher. Obviously, a pitcher I do like to build around quite a bit was there in Logan Webb. I opted to pass because there was an outfielder who could provide me some speed. Randy Orozarena spoke about him on the outfield preview. He's very inconsistent throughout the course of the season, but by the end of the year, usually just winds up with his 2020 batting average, 250, uh, excuse me, 2020 home runs and steals, 250 to 260 batting average. Counting stats are fine. Uh, He's just kind of okay across the board. He doesn't hurt you anywhere. So I took him, wanted some more speed, and we'll see how the pitching staff winds up. Uh, But yeah, I did miss out on Logan Webb because he went two picks later. After Arosa Reyna, there was Royce Lewis, the aforementioned Logan Webb. At the turn, Cole Reagans. And Grayson Rodriguez. More on that in a second. Nolan Jones went 50th overall. We are into the fifth round now. And Freddie Peralta. Okay. I am on the board. I will uh, just quickly make my pick, and I will take okay. uh, Framber Valdez. I think he's kind of similar to Logan Webb in that he's going to give me a solid base of innings and solid ratios. Maybe not the most strikeouts, but uh, I could build around that. Is that your second pitcher? That's my that's my SP one. Okay, uh, Scott, you're on the on the well, clock. I, I, I want before we got into my pick, I wanted to follow up. Uh, so Doc Eisenhower, after taking three hitters, Acuna. And then two other hitters. He comes back in round four and five and pairs Cole Reagans as his ace with Grayson Rodriguez, two high upside pitchers. And it could work out. I, I, I wonder though, so what would the pitcher have been in round two and three that he could have taken instead? Uh, I think Wheeler was Zach there. Wheeler, yeah. Gosman. Yeah. And so instead of the hitters that he took, which were. Simeon and Simeon Alonzo. and Alonzo. Like it's okay, so maybe he could have had Bellinger, Cody Bellinger instead of Pete Alonzo, and and then Wheeler instead of Grayson Rodriguez. I think I would like that more. But I, I think I'd rather have the hitters there. Okay. I I think it's okay. I just think I I have a problem with I guess the pitchers that he took in the order. But I mean, if those are your top ranked pitchers, then that's fine. But. I, yeah, I mean, I, there's still Aaron Nola out there. There was still Framber Valdez, who you took, yeah. Frank. Uh, which, which is what I probably would have taken in innings, eater type, with one of these high upside names instead of just taking two high upside guys. 
And I think I would have yeah. liked that more, but you were selling a, out for upside clearly. Yeah. And, and Reagan's, I mean, you know, I like Reagan's going that early, but it's 48th. I keep hearing from people. I keep getting Cole Reagan's around pick 100 and it just never, it <laughs> never comes anywhere close yeah. to that in our draft. So I never end up drafting him for as much as I like him. It's frustrating. Uh, this is I what, ended up, I ended up taking Cody Bellinger with my fifth round pick here, a second outfielder. You know, I think outfield is the highest priority position in the early rounds. Cody Bellinger, we know where he's going now, and it's the same place where he found so much success last year. So that is at least one one worry that's been eliminated. Okay, it won't be the venue that brings him down. There are still worries, of course, but it's a multifaceted outfielder at at a time when outfielder is going to drain really quickly. Uh and in a format where you go really deep into the outfield rankings. So I, I decided to prioritize a second outfielder with Bellinger over a second starting pitcher. You know, there are some great hitter values here in the fifth round. Now that I'm looking at everything, catch people up. Freddie Peralta went uh, right before my pick. That was the third pick of round five, pick 51. I took Framber Valdez, Scott took Cody Bellinger, then CJ Abrams, Jazz Chisholm, and Adolis Garcia. <laughs> Abrams say that name again Jazz Chisholm what did I say okay Jazz I don't know I can't even you, don't, you pronounce the H All right. Jazz Chisholm or something like that <laughs> uh, apologies uh, Adolis Garcia in the fifth round and CJ Abrams seem like pretty damn good values and you know Mm-hmm. If I wasn't hosting a podcast while doing this draft, oh, don't blame your job. I might have taken <laughs> uh, I might have taken Abrams just because I feel like he he fits what the team needs. I, I needed more speed, but I didn't even realize he was available. So bad job right. by me. Uh, but those yeah. are I think really good picks in the fifth round. So you, you take somebody like Mookie Betts ahead of somebody like Corbin Carroll. You're going to have to be conscientious about speed mm-hmm. after doing that. And you weren't Frank. You blew it. No, I got Randy Arozarena. He's awesome. After Adolis Garcia, we saw Nolan Arenado, Logan Gilbert. Chris took Kyle Schwarber. Then at the turn, RJ took uh, Aranola and Max Freed. We're into the sixth round now where Chris took Christian Yelich and O'Neal Cruz was the next pick. So The, the, the way Randy Arozarena bolted up this offseason, I don't think he's thinking about stolen bases. Have I, you seen his biceps? I was going to say, like, you remember Doug Martin? The running back for Tampa Bay, his nickname was the Muscle Hamster. That's right. Uh, I, I think yeah. Randy Rosarena's nickname should be Muscle Hamster. <laughs> it reminds like me of like Ron Gant going back even further. The, yeah, he looks super jacked. Biceps, like too, too muscular. <laughs> I, I worry. But anyway, I read we'll, about we'll, it. Let's get back to the picks. I read about it. I haven't actually seen it, though, but you might yeah. be onto something again. I Look at my uh, spring training roundup. I got to... <laughs> I got a link to it. I probably I, yeah, I probably blew it not taking Abrams. I, Let's I do a- want to point out uh, you can kind of see the sacrifices I'm having to make for my hitter spots because of the the double tap pitchers at the start. Taking Schwarber there needs some power, need to need to get a 40 homer guy, but obviously I'm sacrificing a ton of batting average. So I had to follow it up with a good source of batting average. I hope. I hope Christian Yelts is going to hit 280 something this year and I passed up on like Nico Horner who I think is probably a better bet for batting average and stolen bases because I didn't want to sacrifice power to make up for it and and so I'm I got a, I'm juggling a lot of plates here spinning a lot of plates mm. in a way that that I, I think is okay but it, it feels a little dicey 
After you took Yelich, O'Neill Cruz, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt McLean, who went 65th overall. I feel like he's been dropping a little bit past that uh, since the oblique injury. Mm-hmm. But if you really like him, you probably got to take him there. And then Alex Bregman and Bobby Miller. Scott, you are back up. And let's remind everybody of what your team looks like. And you have Jose Altuve, Francisco Lindor, Cody Bellinger, Corbin Carroll, and Tarek Skubal. What happens now? Yeah, what happens now? I'd hope there'd be a better starting <laughs> pitcher here than there is. Um, so maybe I regret that Bellinger pick. People have been avoiding closers in a way we're not used to. Mm-hmm. That that would be the chalk pick. I hate taking closers, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take a guy I draft very often, Josh Lowe, as a third outfielder. So I'm well ahead of, of, of pace... I'm well ahead of where I need to be to make sure I don't have a, a problem in the outfield. I have three already. And that's that's comforting to me. I'm well ahead of where I need to be to make sure I don't have a stolen base problem because all five of my hitters, Corbin Carroll gives a ton, obviously, but also Francisco Lindor, Jose Altuve, Cody Bellinger, and Josh Lowe, they're all going to make significant stolen base contributions. So I'm in really good shape with stolen bases now, and that's going to open up a lot of options for me with my future hitter picks. But I do need to address my pitching soon, and I hope these closers go so that I don't have to be the one who takes them. I've got a bone to pick with you, Scott. I know you like Josh Lowe, but kind of feels like you're overdoing it on steals just so that I can't get them. Gotta say. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> that's that's what who I, you were going to take. That's right? what I think. That's what I think you're uh, doing right it now. It may be overdoing it at steals. It legitimately yeah. may be, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're up to like 150. So all right, like that's that's about what you're aiming for. The whole like that's about middle of the pack, the whole draft, right? Okay, yeah. So so I don't need to draft a steals guy again, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I love to draft like Jackson Chorio. I love those base stealing second basemen. But we'll see how that influences my decisions moving forward. The fact that I have such a nice steals total already through six rounds yeah so i needed an sp2 as well and uh, my top ranked pitcher was jesus lazardo who i think pairs well with someone like framber valdez maybe some whip concerns so i'll have to you know be cognizant of that in the future but lazardo up over 10k per nine last year he's gonna give you lots of strikeouts good ballpark to pitch in assuming he doesn't get traded from Miami I think he's a totally fine SP2 to pair with someone like Framber Valdez uh, after that Adley Rutschman went 70th overall and that feels like a pretty good value I I think he was my top ranked mm-hmm. hitter and I thought about taking him I just don't usually take a catcher that early so it it kind of threw me off a little bit but I did debate taking him there it feels like a really good value at this point uh, same thing with Nico Horner I just I don't really want to fill my middle infield spot yet. I have Ozzy Albies at second. Um, I guess, does Nico Horner have shortstop? He might, right? Uh, yeah, he, he, he does. does. Yeah, he does. So I could have done that, and I blew it again. So here we are. <laughs> uh, after Nico Horner, Yuri Perez. Uh, that's the other pitcher I was thinking about. I think, uh, again, he would have paired well with, with Framber. Um, I guess kind of similar pitcher to, like, what we're expecting from Lazardo anyway, right? It's probably expect something similar from Yuri. Obviously the upside is higher, but maybe the downside is lower. I don't know. 
I'm thinking about my next pick, so you're going to have to finish that thought yourself. Uh, right. Sorry, what was the question? Forget it. At the turn, uh, Wyatt Langford was the first pick of round seven. Pick 73. Oh, my goodness. So I know there was an article that came out from Jeff Passan. I believe it was uh-huh. yesterday when we're recording this. Uh, So on Tuesday, February 27th, there was an article about how the Rangers are enamored with Wyatt Langford and they're legitimately giving him every opportunity to make the opening day roster. Chris, even with that, 73rd too early for Wyatt Langford? Yes, I think so. I mean... Maybe too early for Jackson Chorio, I think. So I I think the problem, though, is when you're picking at the end of the draft... To a certain extent, you just kind of have to throw ADP out of the window if you want a guy because there's no guarantee. Now, if you base it on ADP, Wyatt Langford's going even lower than I think 94 would be what his next pick opportunity would have been. So he could have still had the opportunity to take Wyatt Langford there. But that is the thing you have to keep in mind as you're looking at the results of any individual draft is while ADP tells you one story. If you are picking first or second or 12th or 11th, you kind of have to throw it away and and get if you want the guy that you want, there's no guarantee they're going to come up the next time. I think he probably would have still been there the next mm-hmm. time around, but mm-hmm. there's certainly no guarantee. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I am back on the clock here. The previous two picks after Langford were Josh Hader. So the first closer goes and JT Realmuto. Round seven. Round seven, the first closer goes. And I'm going to go ahead and grab my third starting pitcher. And I mentioned in our pitching previews, I like to get three of my top 30. And then I'll back off the position for a little bit. And uh, I'll jump back in later on. So I took Zach Eflin. And I think he pairs really well because he is a low whip pitcher. Uh, so I think that works just very well, again, with Lazardo and uh, Framber Valdez as my top two starting pitchers. Scott, you are back mm-hmm. up, and uh, I believe through six picks, you have five hitters and one pitcher. I just can't get over the fact that we're here in the middle of round seven, and one closer is gone. He just went. Sounds I, like you should take a closer, Scott. I'm not going to, because <laughs> the only reason I ever take closers is because other people force me to. They create this scarcity that I'm forced to react to. They help in one category. I understand they help a little bit in ERA and WHIP, but they don't give you the volume to make a huge difference there. And, you know, it's it's a deep class anyway. Like I said, 16 players, I feel like, have more or less the same upside. Uh, the fact you took Zach Eflin, I think, makes it obvious I have to take a starting pitcher pitcher because we're getting pretty close to the glob now. I'm taking one who gives me a lot of strikeouts, Blake Snell. Well, here at 77th overall. That's assuming he pitches this year, Scott. He's going to pitch this <laughs> year. I don't know that he'll be ready to pitch the first time or through the rotation, given that he's not participating in spring training yet because he doesn't have a team. But he will have a team very soon. And um, I think this is a good value for him. There's obviously some risk. I have him as one of my bus candidates for this year. So we don't even really need to get into that. I, I think it's already factored into the cost. Clearly we know what the upside is. We know what the strikeout upside is. Certainly he's a good bet to deliver on that. And, um, he's sliding just cause he hasn't, I, I got 77th in this draft. I feel like is good value, but I got him 90th in TGFBI and was absolutely thrilled with that. Yeah. So I mentioned, I updated my rankings earlier in the week and I did move Blake Snell down. I think he's my SP 21 and I moved him down to, how about that? 
77th overall, Scott. There you go. Exactly where you took him. So, uh, yeah, I think he should drop a little bit based on earlier drafts, but this is the appropriate range that I would be looking to target. And You, obviously, you know as soon as he signs, though, he's going to shoot back up in, uh, in ADP. Yes. But is that warranted, though? Because there are risks with him starting later in camp. So shouldn't those be oh, kind no, of... there is. I, I just, I, I laid that out. But I... People are just afraid of... I, I don't know. When, when, when players haven't signed yet, their value gets suppressed to a ridiculous level as if they're not going to sign. I, I don't know why that happens. So just the fact that he doesn't have a team right now is causing him to drop too much. And the fact that he does have a team tomorrow or next week or whenever it is is going to cause his value to rise uh, maybe too far, but it'll cause it to rise some for sure. All right, after you took Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Cattell Marte, Edwin Diaz, Hassan Kim, Glaber Torres, and Chris, you selected Devin Williams as the, I believe that's the third closer off the board at pick 83, and it feels like all these closer values are oh, exactly wait. that. Oh, they're, no, they're no, insane. no, back that out, sorry. Did you know? I meant to pick someone completely different. I'm sorry. Can we back that out? <laughs> ah, our first back out of a live mock Chris, draft. But I'm All giving right. you a disapproving look. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I clicked the wrong button. We are mad at I you. I meant to take Brian Reynolds. And that, <clears throat> is, that is a great pick, too. Brian Reynolds okay. just kind of, as I mentioned on our outfield preview, just kind of keeps things moving, doesn't hurt you anywhere. He, he's solid. He's a high floor play. And I believe he's, what, probably your third outfielder now? Third outfielder, yeah. Okay. So I've got... Spencer Strider and Garrett Cole. I've got Gunnar Henderson, Bo Bichette, Christian Yelich, Kyle Schwarber, and Brian Reynolds. And then you backing out the Devin Williams pick actually worked out for RJ because at the turn, he took Christian Walker and Devin Williams. We are into the eighth round, and Chris, you are back up. And uh, to be clear, I would have taken Cattell Marte or Glaber Torres. They both went right before my pick. I would have preferred to have very similar profiles to Brian Reynolds, but... Would have preferred them at second base. But one thing I'm going to try to do here, I just took William Contreras. And because I have the Strider-Cole combination, I'm, I'm trying to make up ground in the hitting categories. And one way that I can probably do that is lock in an advantage at catcher. And William Contreras is someone that we expect to have a playing time edge on most of the catching position. We think he might be, you know, if not the best, the second best catcher. Uh, the second best hitting catcher. So I'm hopeful that that is one way that I can make up for what I'm lacking by missing out on those first round caliber hitters. All right. Well, after you took uh, William Contreras, Tristan Casas goes off the board at pick 87. And I saw somebody ask me this on Twitter today that Tristan Casas has yet to make his spring debut. Is that something we should be worried about? No. Apparently he's dealing with an illness, some kind of flu. Yeah, if it was, you know, some kind of structural type injury, then yeah, maybe. But an illness, nah, not worried about that. I mean, a lot of players are just making their spring debut. I've seen a lot of reports in the last day or two. So-and-so is making, Mike Trout's making his spring debut. Like, yeah, it's real. It's it's February, you know. Jaron Duran, I think, has not played this spring. And he's coming back from, I believe, toe surgery. Mm-hmm. That's uh, not different, it. obviously, because yeah. there's a buildup. But hitters, they need like a week. Yeah. But that, that's not to say I'm concerned about Jaron Duran, but that's more concerning than Tristan Casas. I agree with that completely. Let's take our uh, second break. When we return, Scott should be on the clock. We'll talk about that right after <laughs> this. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. After Tristan Casas went, Scott, I've got bad news. You will not have Justin Steele on this team. I know. That's who I was gearing up to take. I wanted that third starting pitcher. Uh, yeah, so he went 88th, followed uh, by Jordan Walker, Emmanuel Class A, and Yohan Duran. So, and so after... Steele went, I thought, well, maybe I will take the elite closer, Emmanuel Class A. It's been, he's, he's, they've slid so far, maybe it's justifiable. But then he went, and I'm not going to go for like Camilo Duvall or Jordan Romano yet. So Jackson Chorio, my fourth outfielder. <gasps> some more steals, why not? <laughs> See, you should have left some of those earlier steals for me, Scott. You don't need to <laughs> over. You know what? We, we say, ideally, you, you finish third in every category. There's nothing wrong you, with finishing first or second in a category. You can win a category, you're, you're, yeah. You're only, probably not going to actually finish third in every category. You only need you to are win allowed by, to win a category, yes. Yeah. You only need to win by one, though, Scott. <laughs> Just a reminder well, yeah. there. Uh, if, if, I'm really, if I'm really that far ahead, I can swing a trade. This isn't, this isn't NFBC. That is true. This is it's not. a mock draft also, so there are no trades in those. But <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. Let's see what's going on here at shortstop. All right. I'm thinking about a few different things, but I got to make a decision because uh, time is running out. Uh, I think this is a good value for Will Smith. I don't usually draft him, but we're here 93rd overall. Just feels like it's later than than it should be. Um, he's one of those top, you know, three or four names. I think he's part of that elite class. So someone that's going to not kill you in batting average, 20 to 25 home runs. If he's batting cleanup for the Dodgers this year, my goodness. I mean, the counting stats mm-hmm. could be awesome as well. We know he's not going to get DH opportunities with Shohei Otani on the team, but um, yeah, let's see how it works. Maybe later catcher, on, I'll, I'll catcher I'll, and relief I'll pitcher have dropped quite a bit in this draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a fair observation. After Will Smith, uh, Evan Carter went 94th overall. Go ahead, Scott. So yeah, just to do a, give a closer comparison. Um, so in a, in my TGFBI league, which is 15 team roto versus the 12 teamer we're doing now, so. Like I said, the first closer, Josh Hader, went in round seven. In round seven of my TGFBI draft, the closers who were going off the board were uh, Tanner Scott, <laughs> Ryan Hesley, Hesley, Clay Holmes. In, in round eight, where Emmanuel Class A went in, in this mock draft, Adbert Alzali, and uh, uh, I, I, the, I, that was the only one that went in round eight. But that's that's how far we were into the relief pitcher pool in that 15-team roto versus, versus versus this 12-team where the elite closers are going in round seven and eight. And I don't think it's just a depth of the format thing. I think closer 
relief pitcher more than any other position is driven so much by by just what's happening in your particular league. People are going to be more are, are going to be followers, not wanting to um, fall victim to that scarcity that's being created. But nobody wants to be the first one to act. Nobody wants to be the one who who sets the closer market. They just they want to make sure they don't get left out of it. And and so a lot of times in our mock draft, this happens where the closers all drop way below what their ADP value is. You know what other market you don't want to be left out of? First base, because they are flying right now. After Evan Carter, Spencer Torkelson at pick 95, Vinny P. Baby. Baby. <laughs> there you go. Jinx, you owe uh, Dick Vitale soda. Vinny P, uh, Vinny Pasquantino at 96 overall. I'll say this about Doc Eisenhower, who's drafting first overall. Get your guys, because <laughs> he does not care about ADP. He is just He's going out there. Time. He's getting his guys. Uh, you yeah. know, took Cole Reagans and Grayson Rodriguez at the 4-5 turn. Took Wyatt Langford at the previous turn. Now he goes ahead and takes Vinny Pasquantino and uh, the first pick of round nine, Anthony Volpe. So. All right. I still, I think only two starting pitchers, right? For Doc? If I remember correctly. If anyone was going to pass on Ronald Acuna, it was going to be Doc Eisenhower. He missed his chance. Oh, no. He I missed mean, his chance he to took, make a name for himself. He took uh, Yuri Perez. So, look. It's a lot of fun on that team. It's, it's a lot of upside. There's it's a lot, lot of upside. upside in that pitching staff. That's right. So after Anthony Volpe, Tanner Bybee, and Andres Munoz, and you know what? One of the best feelings in a fantasy baseball draft, when you consider taking a player in one round, and they make it all the way back to you in the next round. So if anyone's watching us, you saw I pulled up Xander Bogarts before. I thought about taking him. I said, you know what? Will Smith, he's past ADP. Let me take him, see if Bogarts makes it back. And he did. So that is who I will be selecting uh, as my starting shortstop. He will gain second base eligibility early on in the season, but I am quite happy with that selection. Uh, Bogarts at pick 100. Yeah, I was definitely hoping he would make it back to me. I, I think he should have been off the board probably a full round or two ago based on my rankings. So that's yeah. a little frustrating. He's another super well-rounded player who I would have liked to have had on my team. All right, Scott, you are back up. Uh, let's check back in on the old squad, see what you got. And Jose yep. Altuve, Francisco Lindor, Cody Bellinger, Josh Lowe, Corbin Carroll, Jackson Churio, mm. two mm-hmm. starting pitchers, Tarek Skubal and Blake Snell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess I'm going to take Chris Sale here. <laughs> Don't sound so upset about it, jeez. Well, it you might be there's taking nobody them. there's nobody who I think other than closers. There's nobody who I'm like, wow, this value is great. I absolutely have to take him here. I don't have a third starting pitcher yet, and we're getting close to the glob. I, I have recently moved Chris Sale out of the glob um because I think it's sort I'm I'm confident on a per inning basis he will perform better than a globby pitcher. Um he it certainly, feels a little early for him, but then again, I never seem to draft him because somebody always goes earlier than I'm willing to. I thought about taking a closer, but there are still so many number ones left that that just doesn't seem like an, an optimal use of the pick. And I didn't love my hitter options. If there was a slugging first baseman out there, I would have taken him because if I'm behind in any hitter category, it's uh, homers. But I don't think I'm really behind in homers, and I didn't love the first base options available. So, yeah, Chris Sale this. 
And I will say Another this. strikeout pitcher. After his uh, first spring training start, again, we don't want to overreact, but the velocity was up one mile per hour. Healthy offseason. Traded to the Braves, obviously. Run support should be there. If he can stay healthy for 150 innings, I, I think he'll pay off this value. He is someone who's on the rise, too. I, I've seen him going earlier in drafts, so mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Go out. Well, last... Over the last week in NFBC, if I can pull it up real quick, Chris Sale, 133rd overall. So that's still, that's, you know, this we're around pick 100. That's still early. Yeah. Yep. Don't love it. Get your guys, Scott. Get your guys. After, <laughs> after Chris Sale, Rysel Iglesias, another closer, and then Sonny Gray, we are closing in on Chris's team. Let's check back in, see what you got working on here, Chris. And uh, we know that you started with the pocket aces, Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, and since then you took... William Contreras is your first catcher. You have Gunnar Henderson, Bo Bichette, Christian Yelich, Kyle Schwarber, Brian Reynolds. So you're lacking that, I guess, elite type hitter, that first mm-hmm. round caliber hitter. But for what you've done since, I'm, I think it's kind of rounding into form here. Yeah, I mean, look, you any draft strategy is going to have some limitations, right? Scott's team doesn't have a ton of power yet. Uh Frank, I'm sure you have some limitations, but I'm just going with what Scott just said while I was listening. I need Um, need speed. I need speed. (laughs) Yeah, you need stolen bases. Like, I think I'm missing the high-end bats for sure, but I think it's been an okay time making up for it. And, you know, we'll see. I'm going to draft a player who I don't really love here, but he fits a need for a little more speed with Bryson Stott fits a need to make up for a little bit of that batting average that I had to sacrifice to draft Kyle Schwarber to make up for power. So I'm, I'm really having to, to juggle my offense, but it has been nice to just not think about pitcher for, (laughs) you know, seven straight rounds, which is what I've done. Um, Because, Garrett Cole and Spencer Strider, I mean, if they stay healthy, I'm going to get 390 incredible innings, and that's going to make up for a lot of flaws in anything else. 500 strikeouts from those two pitchers. Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. Uh, At the turn, RJ took Spencer Steer and Nick Castellanos, so Mm -hmm. we are into round 10. Uh, Yeah, obviously, you know, Steer has multi-position eligibility, but uh, two potential outfielders go, so... Starting to dwindle a little bit on the outfielders. And uh, Chris, your backup. Uh, this is what I don't want to do. But if everybody keeps saying, I don't want to take a closer if they're all falling, then they're just going to keep falling. We got a collective yeah. action problem here, guys. Yeah. And someone's got. So I am going to take Camilo Duvall, who I have ranked, I don't know, 30 spots higher than where I just took him at 111, 110th overall. So I I think that's okay. You know, slotting in a, an elite relief ace alongside my two starting pitcher aces, I, I think that's okay. The ADP for Camilo Doval, according to Fantasy Pros, 69.4. You just got him at pick 110. So about yeah. 40 picks past ADP. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's totally fine to take him at this point again we're into round 10 moving along here as i mentioned we're going to be staying live for the entirety of this draft so it's going to be a little bit of a not a little bit a lot a bit longer than we normally are on here probably two plus hours and again that'll be broken down into two part 
uh, two-part podcast. After Camilo Duvall, David Bednar. So, Chris, you might have spoken something into existence here. That's be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> there you are. You, you know what? We're, we're running into a problem because I think I'm also on the clock in TGFBI. <laughs> it's just I can only spread yeah. my attention so many that's, different ways right now. That's a four-hour clock, Frank. I think you can – I think – I think people will understand if you wait. No, they the will podcast. not. They, they will. will. They will not people, understand. People will not understand. And, and there you go, Chris. You did start that run. Three closures in a row. Doval, Bednar, Jordan Romano. <sighs> but then Riley Green is gone. So I know you like him quite a bit. Riley well. Green is starting to cl- creep up. I he's, think he was. Um, I, I wrote uh, biggest ADP risers. I think he was part of that discussion uh, comparing January to February because he's starting to. Get a little more hype. I think he's going to play in games this week. Or did he already play in a game? Yeah, he already appeared in games. Yeah. So there you go. He's he's fully recovered. Um, no questions. He'll be back. And there's a lot to like about the skill set. I've certainly seen him going a little higher than expected in the last couple of drafts I've done, which is frustrating as someone who ranks him about 100 or, or 100. No, sorry. 50 or 60 spots higher than ADP. And I still end up not drafting him. Mm-hmm. So Riley Green went 113th, followed by George Springer and Seiya Suzuki. Great values. I considered mm-hmm. both of them my previous pick when I took Xander Bogarts. And as much as I like the Bogarts pick, depending, based on which shortstops made it back here, I kind of wish I took an outfielder. I kind of wish I took Springer or Seiya Suzuki. They're gone now. And Scott, you are on the clock. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go for a closer too. Um, <laughs> because we're about to drop out of that very big tier of number ones into some borderline number ones. But I'll take what in my mind is a true number one, Paul Seawalt, which is actually skipping ahead in my own rankings a little. I have Alexis Diaz ranked ahead of Paul Seawalt, but I think I've talked myself out of it since our relief pitcher preview. I I see more risk for Alexis Diaz than I do for Paul Seawalt, so I think I'm going to flip those two in my rankings. Uh, but Paul Seawalt's my closer here, my number one, and I suspect Alexis Diaz is going to go very quickly here now that Seawalt is gone, as well as Bednar and Romano and Camilo Duvall. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I have Alexis Diaz as a bust too, so I don't necessarily want to. Um, one of the gentlemen after me does not have a first baseman, so I th- think I might want to do that. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I took Josh Naylor. <laughs> I don't know if that is the right pick. I needed a first baseman. Uh, he's another guy who well, he doesn't hurt you anywhere. Solid batting average, 20 homers. RBI should be good. Chip in 8 to 10 steals. RBI should be great. He's yeah. been an yeah. RBI standout on a per-game basis the past couple of seasons. So if the, the drop-off, it, it, there may still not be a ton of urgency to get your first closer if you have as much faith in Pete Fairbanks and Ryan mm-hmm. Helsley as you do in Alexis Diaz and, and Paul Seawald, who I took. You, you could tier them the same. Like I said, I think they have similar upside. But Fairbanks and Helsley are pretty clear injury risks, and if you don't mm-hmm. want to mess with that, then I think that's why, where you'd prioritize Alexis Diaz over them. They're much better pitchers than him. Yeah. I think at least. Uh, I mean, after, Alexis Diaz gets a ton of Ks. Yeah, no, he he does. And and look, there is a real chance with Alexis Diaz. You know, we cite the second half numbers. It really was just September. And mm-hmm. if you look at his usage, the Reds were really overusing him late in the year. I mean, they were 
trying their darndest to make a push for the playoffs, and they were basically running Alexis Diaz out there every day. So I acknowledge there is obviously a world where I am wrong about Alexis Diaz being a bust, and you know he just got overused last year, and he bounces back this year, and he's fine. Um, but I, I think I'm going to just continue to wait on, on my first closer uh, because all the all the names I usually like to target, the Glaciuses, Bednars, they're all gone because Chris had to go and start a reliever run. So thanks, Chris. You don't have to do that. <laughs> they would have been gone either way. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think some of the people drafting here might be watching us. So, <laughs> you, again, you might have kind of you might have spoke that one into existence. Um, after I took Josh Naylor, Michael King, Yiner Diaz, Josh Young, and Great then guy. to kick off round eleven, Esteri Ruiz. How about that? The top two players in steals last year on the same fantasy team. Maybe I won't win the category after all. <laughs> you might not. Yeah, I mean, he's got... I was wondering if he, if the person who took him doesn't have any other steel sources, but they have Marcus Simeon, they have Anthony Volpe. Um, Wyatt Langford should... Yeah, Wyatt Langford will steal some bases if he, if he gets as well. To play enough. Yeah. He really... He has... Vinny Pasquantino and Pete Alonso are... are they might both steal one base. Um but yeah, that that's it's an interesting approach because you definitely don't need to worry about stolen bases ever again in this draft <laughs> between those two, Simeon, Volpe, and Langford. Um, it does seem like overkill a bit. Yeah, and between Ruiz and maybe Young, definitely Volpe, and Alonzo too, there's some batting average risk on this profile that, you know, the the rest of the lineup might be well rounded enough that you can take a Luis Arias, and you know make up for that. But there there's definitely some batting average risk there as well. I don't know how often this has worked in the history of fantasy baseball, double tapping Guardians hitters, but that is something that I just <laughs> did. I took Josh Naylor in round ten. I just took Andres Jimenez in round eleven. I don't typically like to fill my middle or corner this early, but. I've talked about a bit of an urgency for speed throughout this draft, and I was actually debating Zach Geloff or Andres Jimenez. Geloff went the pick before, so that kind of, you know, the light bulb went off. I said, all right, let me not mess around here. Let me get Andres Jimenez, who I do suspect will steal around 30 bases this year. Uh, so obviously that helps me out in that category. And Scott, you are back up. Yeah, I regret my last choice because Alexis Diaz is still there, I thought. In half a round, somebody would want to take that closer. So I, I regret taking Paul Seawald last time uh, because I my alternative was Zach Geloff, who did go. I still haven't... Oh, I filled second base. Okay, yeah, I, I have Altuve. That's not such a big <laughs> deal. Um, okay, and I don't need Geloff steals anyway, so I, I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. I mean, I, I guess Yiner Diaz is who I would have taken if I didn't take Paul Seawald because he had slid a while. I, I tend not to take that high end of a catcher. Uh, but he went soon after I took Seawald, so I would have rather done that. But because that didn't work out, I took Carlos Rodon here in round 11, pick 125. So my starting rotation now is Tarek Skubal, Blake Snell, Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon. Bunch of lefties, bunch of strikeouts, which is how I like it. And um, we'll see. we'll see how the rest of the staff shakes out. Scott, did you ever play MVP baseball back in the day? Sure. So, you know when you start a franchise mode 
they give you the option where you could turn injuries off. Are you, is that what you're doing for your pitching staff this year? Or uh, got him. I mean, sale, <laughs> sale is. I don't know. I I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't I don't I don't put huge injury flags on most of these guys. Sale, yes, uh, he missed so much of the last few years with injuries, but Snell, Rodon, they've had. I mean, Rodon was hurt last year, but the previous two years he wasn't. I think he, what he throw 130 innings back in 2021. Okay, look, you're right. I there's a ton of upside with those guys. I'm not gonna like. Look, this is what you want, strikeouts, Scott. You got strikeouts. There's no doubt about that. I'm just yeah. saying. There is injury risk with each, with each, with each of those guys, in okay. my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after you took uh, Carlos Rodon, Joe Ryan off the board, Alexis Diaz, Gavin Williams, Hunter Green. All right, this is a pretty fun round for starting pitchers, getting some upside here. Lane Thomas, and then Chris, you took what, to me, looked like the end of a tier at first base mm-hmm. with, with Yandy Diaz. Yeah, so you took Josh Naylor the previous round, uh, Josh Young went off the board. He's a third baseman, but I was going to put him in my corner infield spot. And so, yeah, I think Yandy Diaz was really the last bankable, very good first baseman. There are a couple others that I like, but yeah, I I needed a first baseman. I think he was the clear best hitter available. So that was a, a pretty easy call for me. All right, at the turn, R.J. White is back up, and he took Jorge Soler to finish out round 11. And then we will hop into round 12. At the end of this round, we will sign off part one of the podcast and then start it back up. Uh, But we're not going anywhere, obviously, on the video. We're going to stick around here. Thanks to everyone watching us, by the way. We have over 300 people watching us live. We do appreciate you. Uh, Make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And to kick off round 12, Marcel Ozuna. It kind of feels weird, Scott. We're, we're in a draft where you're not going to get either Marcel Ozuna or Justin Steele. That's kind of weird for me to see. The it's other weird. Braves fan in the draft got Marcel Ozuna. That's right. RJ White, no relation, even though we're both Braves fans, apparently. And both live in. Uh, I, no, I can't. Say. I think I'm. I think I'm correct in that he's a Braves fan. I, I might he be is. wrong. Yeah, he he is. Is. Okay. yeah. Braves fan and a Buffalo Bills fan for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really wanted Marcelo Zuna. I thought. I thought this build that I had going on could use Marcelo Zuna more than most of my builds could. So disappointed to see that. I'm not loving the way the middle rounds are going here. Uh-oh. And I, don't, I. I think it's just happenstance. Just the players I want aren't laughing to me. I don't think it's like I did something wrong necessarily, but I'm am getting frustrated by it. Uh oh, Scott on <laughs> tilt. That's by the, the way, part. it's just it's right on cue every every time we do a draft on on the podcast. It's right around this time next Tuesday night. By the way, we are going to be doing a live auction salary oh, cap best. draft, and that one we're actually playing out this year. I mean. If you want to see we always played out. entertaining Scott White after dark, you're going to want to stick around for that one because those are always a good time. Uh, after Marcelo Zuna kicked off round 12, Chris, you finally jump back in with a starting pitcher, Justin Verlander. I'll come back to you in a second. Chris Bassett after that. Jackson Holiday, 136th overall. Francisco Alvarez, Cedric Mullins. 
Chris, I was wondering when you would jump back in on starting pitcher, mm-hmm. and the answer is round 12, Justin Verlander. And that's pretty much what I say when I'm doing the the two aces strategy is I won't take another starting pitcher until around the 12th round. And whether Justin Verlander specifically was the right one, given the, the concerns over his shoulder and the fact that he's not yet ready to face live hitters, although he is throwing off a mound without issue. You know, it, it does seem like there's a decent chance he opens the season on the IL. But, hey, with Spencer Strider and Garrett Cole, I can afford to take a little bit of an injury risk there on a guy who should give me good innings. It's just a question of how many innings he will give me. After, what was the last pick? I think Alvarez, Cedric Mullins, Walker Bueller, 139th mm-hmm. overall. And Scott, you are back up. What are we thinking? Jake Berger. I, I have a third base opening. I have a power need. That's perfect. It's, it's that is so it's perfect. so obvious. I I can't believe I didn't do it last round. It is hard to keep track of the team you're building while also uh, putting on a show for everybody here. So, <laughs> um, so I can sympathize with you there, Frank, on that front. Even though I'm not having to do nearly as much work on the entertainment part as you are. Um, I think you're very entertaining. You're doing Scott. a great oh. job, Scott. Don't doubt yourself. Like as as far as building my team goes, no, 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 it's horrible. No, no, it's, I, mean, okay. I was gonna say at both, but Chris just went ahead and dunked on you. So there you go. Uh, I will say, not my pick, but Jackson Holiday at one thirty six four picks before my Jake Berger pick. I think that's closer to where he should be going than where he's been going. I, I think the chances of him making the Orioles roster are eighty percent, and. Um, I think we're at a point already in this draft round 12 where I don't like a lot of what I see at shortstop. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have Francisco Lindor already, I probably would have taken holiday with, with my previous pick where I took, uh, you would have uh, taken him Carl over Carlos Dan- instead. You would have taken him over Dansby Swanson. Is Swanson still out there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in a 12 teamer, I'd think about it in a okay. deeper league. No, I think I'd play it safe. His ADP and NFBC leagues. I wrote the ADP rises and fallers on CBS today. Since the start of February, it's up to 180. So he's one of the biggest risers. But Holiday? Uh, Jackson Holiday, sorry. Okay. 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 Oh, I didn't know if you were going to say anything else yeah. about Jackson. Oh, Holiday. Yeah, no, this is still a little ahead of that, but right. uh, I I think 140-ish is probably going to end up being pretty reasonable for him. Well, I mean, if we find out March, yeah, 15th, March 12th, that he's made the roster, Boop. he's he's probably getting pushed inside the top 100, yes. right? Yeah, probably. If not there, then, then close to it, I would say. Mm-hmm. After you took Jake Berger, I went ahead and took uh, Bailey Ober, who is a pitcher I am pretty excited about. And this is what I like to do typically is get three of my top 30, wait, and then I'll jump back in on a bunch of players that I wrote up as sleepers or breakouts this year. Ober, if Rodon, if Scott had not taken Rodon, I, I probably would have considered him at this point as well. He might have been taken by someone else anyway. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, Bailey Ober has my SP4 at this point. I do like that quite a bit. After I took him, Shane Bieber, Max Muncie, and Sean Murphy. So we are through 12 rounds. Here's what we're going to do on the podcast side of things. We're going to sign off part one, and then we will see you on the other side for part two. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world. 
RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.